Hello everyone and welcome to another well-played podcast, a podcast all about playful learning. Together we explore games, game mechanics, and the power of learning through play. With me, I have John Spike back. Super excited to have you, John. Uh, and today, John and I are going to be talking about mini gamification moments for any classroom. Uh, before we do, uh, John, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm John Spike. Uh, I am Coordinator of Instructional Technology Integration Services at University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, uh, former English teacher and uh, tech coach in K-12 as well. Nice. Uh, so John and I have connected several times. John and I are both gamers, guys that like to play board games, video games, really just any games we can get our hands on. Um, and we both really enjoy sort of putting those mechanics into our classrooms. And so John reached out and said, uh, why don't we do a podcast? And I was like, boom, this would be the topic for John and I. These sort of these mini gamification moments, these these mechanics that we can embed in class. So, John, to start off, um, do you have any like just hitting you right now? Boom, uh, like something that any of our listeners could take away and use straight away in their class the next day. Ooh, uh, great question. Uh, I think you know, obviously, at the heart of gamification is competition. Uh, one thing that that I always struggle with in competition is I'd have the students, you know, voting on who they think did the best job. But I think one of the issues that always arose out of that uh, was, you know, they'd be like intentionally not supporting ones they thought were going to beat their own. So it was kind of a a little dance. So anytime you got like students, you know, pitching, like pre presenting, and you're asking other students to assess them, uh, instead of saying like, who do you think did the best? Because I think there's gradations there. Uh, and I think it's important for them to give authentic assessments. I, I kind of take a page out of Shark Tank and I say, nice. hey, I'm going to give you uh, a lump sum and you get to split that sum up however you want and invest how you best see fit. So you could invest all $1,000 in group A. Maybe you're investing 500 group B, 250, 250 in group C, D. And your goal is to be an investor on the winning team, the team that gets the most investments, you get a little bonus, maybe you get some XP going on there. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've heard about using XP in the classroom, Michael. But <laughs> nice. Yeah, coming, coming a big thing. Uh, and, and the other way I found too, is to avoid them. Like sat, like I used to have students who would like literally sabotage vote for the ones they didn't think would win, but now there's incentivization for them to identify the best idea and be on that best idea. And also they get incentivized to have the, one that receives the most investments. So they need to get people buying into their presentation being the best, maybe their pitch being the best, maybe their passion project being the best. And um, just giving them that sum. And for some reason there, as, as we know on gamification, a lot of it is possibly the accumulation of fake funds. You know, they, they enjoy having that and having autonomy to deal that out and put it towards something that they believe in. So uh, well, that's that, one that comes to mind. That investment mechanic is huge in a lot of games that that is where an interesting player dynamic takes place where you're you know like you said you're you really are trying to get others to sort of buy into what you're saying but then there's also that whole meta level of investment right like you have so much or so little however you want to view it and do i put all of it into you know presentation one because i think it's amazing and but 
oh, like, you know, do you hedge your bets and split it, you know? Um, but that's that just in and of itself makes for a far more interesting dynamic for the listeners. So, you know, mm-hmm. in, a, in a traditional speech sort of setup where kid has to just listen to a bunch of speeches and typically <laughs> rather right. passively, this all of a sudden turns them into a much more active listener because they are yes. truly an investor. So that's a, that is a good call. Um, and truly anybody could add that. You don't even have to have big gamification models wrapped around mm-hmm. that. Um, I mean, you could simply be doing a speech about anything and truly just sort of say, boom, you're all getting a hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, whatever you want to do to invest. Uh, I did a similar thing and I gave them these little investor sheets that they had to sort of fill out some of the good points about the presentation, some of the weak points, and then kind of their total total dollars invested. Super simple, super powerful. Uh, one that I think is timely that I'd want to share that anybody could do, and it is definitely not like unique to me it's it's definitely something that's out there but as we roll up on march here uh doing the tournament brackets right uh just just that adds such kind of an interesting dynamic um and i have seen i've seen or been part of doing that tournament bracket in so many different ways um from sort of the who's the most important president you know tournament bracket to geographic stuff like which what's the most important state or country bracket um i saw one from a i think it was a kindergarten class and it was she put all these famous books on the bracket and kids just kind of had to vote like which which book was more interesting and won the bracket to see what was the best sort of children's book uh so just these these brackets, it amps it up. It makes it kind of interesting. It makes it kind of fun. You can see what's happening. You can see what like combinations are going to happen. If you do throw students on that bracket, um, they can kind of see who they may end up having to verse later in future rounds. Um, I just think that that tournament bracket adds a ton of fun. Uh, what sparked my idea on that one was when you just mentioned the word competition. I mean, that... That is a game mechanic in and of itself. Yeah, I I, I, I totally agree with you. And, and my favorite example, and I'm blanking on his name. I was actually going to quick try to pull up my Twitter history and find it. But he does the most irrelevant president uh, bracket. And it's so fun <laughs> to watch. Like the kids make their pitch and the, the debate that they happen about what is what makes somebody truly irrelevant. Because like William Henry Harrison would be my vote. He died in 30 days. But they make the argument that that makes him very relevant just about how short his term was and how idiotic he was not to like, you know, wear a, a coat during his cold inauguration or what have you. So yeah. uh, I think just, yeah, the conversations that come out of that too, because you have to be very strategic with that as a, a teacher. You, you have two people maybe directly debating, but how do you involve the other 28 or 25 kids? And you, you can do it really cleverly. And it's like you said, uh, applicable to any subject area. Yeah. And that's really like, like I said in the beginning of this whole thing, kind of introducing you, that both of us, <clears throat> excuse me, both of us like to play these board games. And some of these newer designer board games do a really, really, really good job 
of involving all the other players so that no matter whose turn, quote unquote, it is, you you really are all active players throughout the entire game. And that just makes the gaming experience that much better because you're never really like out. You're never sitting there just <laughs> waiting. Um, so when we talk about these things, really like so far what we've talked about is trying to engage as many people, as many players at any one particular moment in time. Um, do, <laughs> excuse me, sorry, I'm recovering from a cold. Uh, do we have any, uh, any other mechanics that we would want to center it around? Like, um, one, one mechanic that I, I love in games is sort of resource management. Like when you only have a small amount of resources and you have to kind of choose where to put those resources towards. Um, have you ever done anything like that in the classroom for, for a small activity, nothing super large? Yeah, I would say so. Uh, and I think divvying up, uh, the divvying up the, the pieces, uh, is a, just a great strategy normally. I mean, you know, it, that's classically introduced to us as jigsawing, right? Um, mm -hmm. giving that jigsaw. And one of the favorite things I did to, encouraged, uh, I was trying to gamify an online class was, um, to give only parts of the information or the clues to kind of a, a, um, you know, kind of a digital breakout to only certain members. Uh, so they had to kind of, it wasn't so much resource management, I guess, as them realizing what pieces they needed to come together to combine, uh, to work together. So they, they all had an essential piece and they had to work together as a team to understand how their pieces fit together. Uh, so you know, it wasn't so much balancing like I need this much stone or this much gold maybe to make this, but um, even divvying up, uh, you know, what resources people have and challenging them to see how um, they can make it and take advantage of each resource is something that I think is transferable, uh, you know, in a science classroom, uh, understanding what of each resource they need to maybe, um, you know, make the experiment work or um, in an English language arts classroom, maybe um, they have the right pieces um, to understand the passage, but they need to come together and understand how, you know, they need to make those resources interconnect. I know it's a, a little bit of a, a different kind of pitch for what you were going for, but no, that's the idea good. of, you, of you scarcity had... of resources between group members um, forces collaboration, and they see the value in collaboration when they realize they might not always have the skills, abilities, resources that they need. Yeah. Um, I did one on this note um that would be an easy takeaway would be this this idea of having every student getting sort of two poker chips three poker chips however many you want to give them depending on how long your activity is and anytime in the group that they want to say something or discuss they have to put a chip in the center and then when their chips run out they can't really speak anymore so it's this like when is what I want to say valuable enough that I'm willing to give up one of these chips? And it's just an, it's a neat way to create, I think more active listeners, uh, because they all are, they're all of a sudden forced to, to take that other side, the other side of the conversation. And that is listening. Um, and then they want to maximize their use of the chip. So they better be listening so that they are truly responding to somebody. Um, and I've had pretty good success with that. The other scarcity <coughs> example I would have is in a review game. I've done some where I actually give them poker chips at the start. And then 
they're able to sort of, uh, for lack of a better term, bet on how strong they feel like their answer is. Uh, and so that's kind of an interesting thing where their their points kind of flow up and down. Uh, but they're able to, like I said, bet on an answer. Um, so that's kind of cool. That kind of reminds me of uh, a little bit of wits and wagers in terms of the board game. Like you're gambling on how confident you are in yours, or perhaps, you know, if you could, you could even alter that mechanic, like bet on somebody else's. You're like, they sound like they know what they're talking about. I would be willing <laughs> to put money on that. Uh, you could, you could have some fun with that one and uh, challenge students to see, you know, how convincing they could be to, you know, sway people towards their, uh, their answer and, and put chips in to double their, double their chips or, what have you, depending on the betting line. Yeah. I think too, I, I've heard some English teachers actually use the same thing with, um, having to buy certain words. So you're doing like, uh, you give them a hundred dollars, kind of like a wheel of fortune kind of notion. You give them so much money and then keywords that they're going to need to use in their review or their write up. They actually have to buy these words, but, they clearly are not going to be able to buy all the ones that they would like. Um, and then to have to center their now paragraph response with only like half the words that, that are meaningful to this particular topic. Um, <laughs> it's a great way to, to teach, uh, you know, different word choices because they have to all of a sudden kind of work around the thing that they do not have, which is rather, I don't know, rather funny. I dig it. <laughs> yeah, I, it'd be it'd be really interesting if you really want to challenge them is, uh, you know, restrict what letter they could use <laughs> in their writing. That would be kind of cruel, though. That would really force them to think outside the box, though. Well, that's especially actually, if you took away like E. <laughs> that is a, a one of the one of my vlogs I did where I use these letter dice that you can pick up on Amazon, and that's exactly what I have them do. Sometimes it's just the first letter, though, to make it a little easier so they can't have like a word that starts with E. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, but that's uh, sometimes challenging, like when the main character begins with that, like, right, like when you lose A and you're writing about Alexander the Great. <laughs> it's, it's rather funny to hear what these guys <laughs> come up with. They come up with a, a clever nickname for Alexander the Great. Yeah, I mean, like they pretty much have to. He <laughs> who shall not so be mentioned. Yeah, Lex the so-so kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we've talked about two pretty cool mechanics here. We have like scarcity of resource, and you you kind of did this hidden information thing there. We've talked about um, I don't want to say betting, but investing maybe in in better term for the. K-12 classroom, yeah. That's right, investing uh, into various people, uh, people's presentations. Another game mechanic that I think is super simple to use and in lots of different games is this idea of kind of like basic card game sort of mechanics like trick-taking, uh, skip somebody's turn, reverse order, you know, some of that, the Uno type things play a similar color um you know what what are some things we could jam out even if we haven't done this in our classrooms per se like if you were to try to take uno maybe that's the challenge for both of us i've never used that in my class 
Right, right. Have you ever used it? Let's be full disclosure here. Ooh, I don't think I've used too many Uno mechanics. All right, uh, boom. So this is it. This is like a little mini game challenge right here, right now. Um, Yeah. (laughs) What what could you do with sort of that mechanic? I love – one of my favorite Unos is actually Uno Attack, uh, where you're kind of forcing other players like, you know, like is – you know, they – you do something good and you're rewarded by like punishing someone else with like these cards flying at you. Like this thing like literally spits the cards at you, which I don't think is phenomenal. Um, so I'm picturing loading that up and, and maybe the challenges like you when you've got face offs in your classroom, you know, whether it's just a traditional game, you're not gamified or you're in the gamified situation. But maybe the teams can use that mechanic of you've loaded this up with detrimental effects to the other team you know maybe like you brought up maybe you know one of the detrimental cards that could be spat out at them is uh not being able to they have to explain their next answer without using a word that starts with a or maybe you know that spits out you know anywhere from one to three detrimental cards and they have to work within those constraints or those handicaps so maybe the the uno mechanic is they're drawing these cards and these cards uh, adversely affect them. And maybe you could have some good ones mixed in. So it's like, well, should we punish them or should we hope we, should we punish ourselves and see if we get a good card that benefits us? So there's kind of a mixture of handicap cards and there's a mixture of um, like benefit cards. You don't know what you're going to get. You could get one, you could get three, you could get five spat out at you and you have to work within the constraints of the good and bad uh, of that. Maybe you get double points, you know, you know, you get three cards bad, you, you get double points, but Oh, here's the problem. You have to charade it out. Uh, one of your group members has to charade it out, and the other ones have to understand what they're saying. Uh, yeah, I don't know, but something where you have this choice to make, where you know you're either drawing more cards, forcing others to draw more cards, or you're yourself drawing more cards. I like it. Um, I I'm trying to think off the top of my head if I was to take the basic game of Uno um, and strip out its mechanics. You could make a set of cards yourself, even just on note cards. Mm-hmm. Um, and then maybe make them, I'm thinking world history here, I I got to admit. <laughs> but like maybe make them based on the categories that you teach, right? So like some vocab, mm-hmm. some people, some places, right? Some achievements. Um, and so it's just like Uno to like play an achievement card. You'd have to play it on the uh, the like the, the, all the achievements would be the green cards or whatever. So you could either play achievement on okay. achievement, or to sort of twist the sort of play the same number as Uno mm-hmm. is if you can connect the two with like your knowledge, right? So like mm-hmm. if there's the pyramids, and then I have like the vocab term pharaoh. Like while that would be a different color because it's a vocab term, I could put it on the pyramids because I could say that that is where they are buried. Uh, right. So by connecting okay. them, you're able to uh, play it, and it's still first to get out. But with everything played, you have to kind of explain what it is, or else you can't play it. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I can see that. I can see that working. You, uh, you know, I look at it from my perspective, like uh, you know, coming from the English classroom. You could have some figurative language, some alliteration, metaphor, illusion, and then also some, you know, maybe content from literature that the students have experienced. Maybe it's a genre, maybe it's, um, you know, specific text if you do a whole class text and 
um, finding the connections between those words to actually be able to get that card out of your hand, you know, in lieu of a color match or a number match uh, might be an interesting way to kind of uno and try to get down to that final term um, that, you know, that you've got to make a connection back to maybe the last played card or something like that might be interesting. All right. See, so what I like about this for you guys, for like you four listeners out there is (laughs) I really like that this is John and I just making this up on the spot. Uh, and you can see that it doesn't take all that much time. And you can just really just apply some creativity, put it in motion, and see how it works, right? This is this is how you've done some things in your classroom, John, right? With gamification and game-based learning. Yeah, I'd say a lot of it is is you know, seeing something you like in the in the real world and translating it into it. Um and I'm just gonna hijack the show for a second, uh, if that's cool, Michael. You hijack. Yeah, uh, I was just thinking about another game mechanic that I love. I'm very into these games right now, like visually focused games where you're using visuals to convey understanding. Uh, and I think that's a very simple mechanic that you can use, uh, you know, trying to use abstract to convey your understanding of a topic, uh, I think is, is something really interesting. And a uh, game that I, I think of is like Mysterium, where you've got these strange cards with unique drawings on them, and you use that to try to convey a place, location, person kind of thing. Um, I think of one that, that I kind of, I you know, wanted to use Google Drawings and use it for gamification. And so uh, one that I, I really enjoy uh, is um, taking, we, we drop like four players into a Google Drawing. They each have a little corner of it. And we pop in a, a term, you know, from the class. You know, maybe it's a character from a book or a famous historical figure. Maybe it's a... Um, chemistry term. It could be anything. And then the four students have to generate an image from the internet. They go out, scour the internet, they get a minute timer, and they go out and scour and grab an image and pull it into the Google Drawing. And then we reveal the four images that they've come up with to the class. And we do a vote on who thinks, you know, which one best captured the term. Then we have the students explain what they're going for. Maybe a student was going more metaphorical with their their image that they got or maybe a student was trying to be funny and like brought in two and we didn't see the connection and then they explain it we're like oh and then we revote after the explanations and sometimes i'll even just pick on people in the audience be like why'd you vote the way you did like talk me through that like what was it about this one and i love the idea of students generating or creating a visual um to capture something and then justifying it and i know you do a lot of that like in a lot of different ways. I know you've done a lot with Legos in that realm, but uh, that mechanic I love is creative visuals, giving them like, here's stuff, convey understanding of this or demonstrate this in action with that. I think it's a simple mechanic you could turn around and do tomorrow. Yeah, no, I mean, the visuals is just such a cool idea and it's just a different part of the mind and it, it you know, it lights it up and it just, it engages us on a different level than I think most courses have us do in the natural flow of the course. So mm-hmm. it is a neat way. Uh, you mentioned the game Mysterium. For anybody that hasn't checked that out, that is a really cool game that came out last year, I think. Um, but you do have to connect these like clues to just these pictures. So like John's saying, it's just it's just a different way to look at things. Um, and as you mentioned, I've done that with Legos and having kids having to kind of build out 
a scene from last night or a, a vocab term. Um, that that is definitely like a different way to look at the vocab, and it it it's neat. You have those kids that are really analytical and and could write me the definition, but then all of a sudden you say like, draw me the definition or build it with Legos, and it throws them for this total loop. So, yeah, I, I, and I, I just love the conversations because uh, we tell students like you're not the four who are, you know, when we do the arena, the, we kind of call it the Google drawing battle royale. Um, nice. And we tell them, you know, in, in the battle royale, you're not going to win if you just Google the word like you're going to get these really basic results. So you got to strategically think and like, are you going to go for an example of the word? Are you going to go for, you know, something that's an analogy for the word? Are you going to go for, you know, a gif of the word in action? So you get a little <laughs> movement in there, you know, maybe some memes, a meme that you think is the word because, you know, you want to win that initial vote. But after you explain, that's the vote you really want to win. Like if your explanation of your drawing is like a aha for the students, like that gets votes, you know. So you don't necessarily want to have the, okay, initially funny, we're going to laugh because that's that's an entertaining gif of it. But like what's the one where everybody's like, ooh, this just got think. deep. Yeah, that got deep. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. I could see how like students would really gravitate towards those answers. And that would just be the game-changing answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so any other, like before we sort of wrap up here, we have only like five more minutes. So, you know, just really like thinking through any one more mechanic things they could use. Um, one that I would put out there that's just an easy mechanic for everyone to try is doing things that are time-based. So, you know, time is a, is a, awesome pressure cooker that's used on all sorts of um, reality TV shows, right? You know, from Survivor to Chopped, right? Um, that just amps things up. So put them in that pressure cooker and you'll really see some moments of gamification. You'll see how that changes the dynamic of group work, how that changes the dynamic of the actual coursework. You don't want to do these things all the time, but these are fun little mechanics to sprinkle in to kind of give that sort of pop of engagement, pop of excitement. Um, have you done anything like special with, with time as a mechanic? Uh, you know, I, I really like, uh, I can't recall if you, you mentioned it, but I, I, I've ruthlessly stolen your sunset timer idea uh, nice. where you don't give them an actual time but like rather a, a prognostication of a time. Um, and I like to do it with um, students are too old to know about Europe's The Final Countdown. So usually I use that song and, and don't tell them like when that song ends and just say you have till the end of Europe's The Final Countdown because um, they appreciate the irony of the fact that that song's <laughs> playing while they're doing it. And, you know, uh, some of them have heard of it, but maybe don't know how long that song is. Or sometimes I'll, I'll be really cruel and if they're, getting onto me, I'll actually just go into the settings on YouTube and like slow the song way down, you know? Uh, so <laughs> yeah. it's actually like going like a quarter of its normal speed if I need them longer time or, um, I'll speed it up to like two times its speed, uh, just to mess with them. Uh, and I think building in a mechanic where like there's some way they can miraculously add time is kind of fun too. Uh, yeah. so like if a, if a group does something unique, um, you know, they get awarded extra time, maybe, um, or like the big thing they're always focused on is being the like third or fourth group to present. So actually like they all have the same amount of time, but maybe they can like based on incentives, they can actually choose the turn order 
uh, because some of my groups would get very meta on like, what's the best slot to be for like when you're presenting to, uh, you know, <laughs> know what's coming and know how to counteract, you know, arguments or make the best or see what you have to compete with. Uh, so I think anything where you can mess with their slotting uh, is always good too with time or ways to miraculously get more. Yeah. I think uh, for those of you listening, he really mentioned the this idea that having students have the ability to like add time or whatever. And when he mentioned that, like just something that you might want to think about, even in your small one day activities is give out these little like tokens that could mean that or represent that later within the lesson. So, you know, maybe they beginning part of the lesson, you gave out three, four tokens. Now you move into the second part of the lesson and you let them know that, Hey, by having these tokens, you've been awarded this ability to add an extra minute to, to this now round of pressure cook. You know, we only have five <laughs> minutes to do this activity. Adding an extra minute is huge. Um, so don't be afraid, even in your one-day activity or one-day gamification, to add that extra layer of like something they could acquire and then use because that is, that is just gamification gold. Uh, mm -hmm. It really amps up games. It really makes the players feel like they have a little more autonomy, a little more choice within the whole overarching game mechanic. So good call, John. Unfortunately, boom, you hear the music. It is that time for reflection time. And today I chose a quote going with the topic being mini gamification moments. Our quote today, John, is today's moments are tomorrow's memories. How does that hit you? Yeah, I think we we probably think about those words. I know we don't maybe think about that exact quote, but those words are always in the back of our minds as educators. How are we creating uh, you know, these, these moments that will become memories for our students. And it's going to be these unique little mechanics. You know, they might not, uh, many years later, remember what a gerund is in grammar. You know, I remember fondly teaching gerunds as an English teacher. Some of you are out there like, what is a gerund? Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's one of those things where they might remember that time where they, as you mentioned, they were in the pressure cooker uh, and they were feeling this intensity of like creating the most sentences that use gerunds appropriately around this theme. Or they remember that time where they were trying to visually represent, um, you know, gerunds with Play-Doh, Legos, uh, and a little stick figure man, you know, I'm now making this up as I go. But, uh, you know, they, they, they remember those moments where they were doing something unique. Um, they were banded together. Uh, and they were they were working towards this common goal, and they was they they kind of probably had a moment and stopped and paused. And said, wow, that was really that was really cool. Like I can't tell you what a gerund is uh, twenty years later, but I can tell you that that was a really unique moment where I was trying to you know um, you know stretch my brain a little bit to convey that understanding. I love it. Uh, I think that that's really something that we all need to keep in mind is that you know it is in sort of doing that difference. It's in that like little moment that the students didn't expect that mechanic that sunset that uno game there's something that sort of wowed them on a day that's sort of where those those memory moments happen right in in the humdrum of the normal those are that that's where the memories get lost right that's just that's just the whole deck of cards as opposed to that meaningful one deck that you pull out that one card you pull out that's where the magic is right um so, John, as always, thank you for joining us on Well Played. Uh, it's a, always a pleasure to get to banter with you a little bit about this whole stuff. Some great banter today. Woo! 
And everybody out there listening, thank you so much for joining us. It really is a pleasure uh, chatting with you guys every week and connecting with you here or in the XP Lab Twitter chat on Tuesdays at 9 Central Time or my new YouTube channel. Uh, it's been really awesome connecting with you there as well. So check that out if you haven't done so. It's youtube.com slash Mr. Matera. And as always, thanks for listening. It's an honor having you. Enjoy your week and play on.